showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I have a super special guest on for you today. This is Dr. Caitlin Gomez. She's a clinical psychologist, a PhD in clinical psychology, and she is someone that works with couples and individuals. She does obviously relationship work. She's interested in the beliefs that lay you know, beneath the surface and impact ourselves and our partners and relationships. She's also interested in self-esteem. And one of the coolest things I really enjoy about listening to Dr. Gomez speak is wait, like her intellect, but how she just talks about it in a normal way that people naturally understand. One of the coolest things about consulting with her, whether it's about a case, sharing a personal story, is her empathy skills and her emotional validation skills are off the chart. Um, she is an expert at just basically uh, making you feel safe and at home and comfortable and sharing whatever it is you share. And she's someone that I professionally look up to a heck of a lot. So I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Gomez, for being on the show, sharing your wisdom with us here today. And I couldn't be more excited to have you on. Oh, that was so sweet. Thank you so much for all those very kind words. I am very excited to finally be doing this with you. I know we've talked about it a long time long time coming. And this is, this is great. I'm, I'm so excited we're doing it today. Yeah. I'm so excited too. You're just absolutely stoked to be here. All right. So couples work in the area of psychology is sometimes, you know, could be thought of as being more challenging at times. In other ways, it's more awesome, easier sometimes, but a lot of times it's, it's hard work. It's hard to work with couples. It's hard to work with more than one person in the room. And, and yet there is tremendous rewards. So Take us back. What made you decide that you wanted to work in the area of couples? Yeah, yeah. Great, good question. Um, I don't know. I think there was maybe just a couple reasons why I got into couples work. I think, you know, maybe even starting long ago, back when I was a teenager, for whatever reason, it just seemed that friends turned to me for advice. And, you know, I'm not too sure why, maybe it was the empathy, you know, the understanding or being able to give good enough advice that they'd come to me for that. Um, But I think as I got a little bit older and a lot more curious and interested actually in myself, I started to think, you know, wow, like I want to, I want to learn more. I want to learn more about what goes into a great relationship. And maybe it was a little bit self-serving, to be honest with you, because, you know, just a very curious mind and I'm interested in myself and want to grow and, you know, be a a better partner or figure out what goes into these great relationships. So I think it was a little bit, um, 
you know, a little maybe idea of coming from other people coming to me for advice. And then I think it also really grew out of more of like a self-serving interest. (laughs) Oh yeah. I totally relate to that. My couples work really stems from a self-serving interest of wanting to make sure I have good relationships and, and struggling in my own family system and wanting to know, okay, if I struggled here, how can I not replicate those patterns? How do I change it? And I felt like in the world, I didn't have a great model for what that looked like. And so I was like, all right, well, let's go to the research. Let's see what it says. And I became really interested and then basically start experimenting with, well, if I do that thing, the book says what happens then like, sometimes you're like, well, it works. Let's try that again. And then sometimes it doesn't, you're like, well, I don't know about that, but I totally relate to that. Just being interested in it being self-serving in a way. Yeah, I absolutely. You are like that too. I, I, I've heard you talk, like I've read this and I've tried it and it's worked. And it's so, um, it's so interesting how we can be our own experiments. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we come in them all the time. I don't know what you think, but I sometimes think as a practitioner, uh, we get a lot of information and, you know, some of it, you're like, neato idea. I've never seen this done before. I have no idea if it's useful. And sometimes I like to try a lot of the stuff I do on myself. So I have, I have that experience to know what it is like, did it actually help? Or what are some of the cons to trying that out and to relate better to my client's experience? And then, and then also I get, I get a benefit. Yeah. Oh, I so agree to be able to relate on an experiential level and, and, you know, you can actually really understand and almost have this shared, maybe I shouldn't say shared, but an experience that might be similar enough that you can um, validate because you've been there perhaps. Yeah. I think, yeah, it just makes things maybe a little bit more real. Absolutely. And I I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like with some of the couples work that we might assign or give as homework or experiments to try, like some of it could seem formal or stilted or not genuine or inauthentic. And, and I hear those concerns that people bring and I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. And I can, I can relate to having some of those experiences myself getting started. And then it's easier when you actually get into it, or it's easier to kind of explain to a client why you should maybe give it a whirl when you relate to having those same feelings yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Rationale is important. I agree. So today we're talking about desire in your partnership in a long-term relationship. And once you kind of get back that, get past that initial stage where it just comes so naturally and desire, it can baffle many people. How do we do that? How do we get it? How do we maintain it beyond that initial lustful honeymoony stage? Mm-hmm. So I know we have lots of ideas to consider. Where do you think is our starting place? Yeah, you know, I think I hear from couples, individuals, sometimes just almost this like feeling of, oh, giving up. That's how, you know, a long-term relationship is. There is no more passion. The honeymoon phase is over and that's it. Humdrum, you know, we just are comfortable now. And, and sometimes being, I don't know, maybe complacent to it or um, succumbing to it, you know, maybe even uh, could be a feeling for some people. Um, so I think those feelings I understand and are common, but I do believe that desire is important in a long-term relationship and can be there in a long-term relationship, just as it was at the beginning, as you said, when it's so natural and effortless, that's the key though, for it to be in a long-term relationship, we need to put effort into maintaining and building the desire Um, So maybe we can kind of even just talk about like, what is desire? 
Um, so maybe some yeah, start us off there. Tell us, tell us what desire is. I need to know. Desire. I think, you know, maybe just broadly speaking, we tend to desire things that are new and exciting and, you know, are novel. We, we are creatures who seek novelty and that gives us excitement and interest and intrigue and curiosity, all things that we tend to approach and want in our lives. So at the beginning of a relationship, you don't know this person. There is a lot of curiosity. There is a lot of novelty in the experiences that you guys are doing together. And that's, I think, why it comes so natural. So I think the desire is in the, the unknown, mm. if you will, right? The, almost like the unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And you can almost contrast this to what a long-term relationship is, which is known and familiar and consistent and predictable um, and secure and reliable and all of these other really wonderful things that are equally important in a relationship, in a secure, loving relationship. Um, But that novelty piece, that desire part of novelty will fade because it's just no longer unfamiliar. And so if we think about desire as maybe novelty, then of course we have to get a little bit, um, uh, I guess, creative with how, how can we keep the novelty going? Um, but so that, at least that's how I think of desire, at least. And I think others have shared a similar, um, idea of, of how novelty is, uh, uh, you know, helps to fuel the desire. Yeah. And I'm thinking of, you know, you talked about that uncertainty and I'm taken back to the early phases of love sitting by your phone, holding into one hand. I'm like, are, are they going to text me back today? Are they going to text me back now? Like putting my phone across the room and trying to ignore my phone, and then checking my phone. And with each time you check and you don't get a message back, you get that, that buildup of that uncertainty and wondering how it's going to go. And then finally they text you back and you get like that rush of happies and the, the release and you're super excited. And then finally you go out on that date and you have that kind of like new love energy the one where you're like do they like me do they not like me don't check your phone check your phone do they text you back not text you back and there's so much all caught up in this and we're trying to figure out like are we gonna are we gonna work with this person are they gonna like me back am I gonna like them do they desire me do I desire them and I think it's a lot of times in those moments when we get that um when we have the uncertainty where it isn't confirmed that they like us or don't like us. And then we get those moments of connection. We get tremendous emotional reward. Oh yes. And it feels so freaking good. Yeah. And then we go back the next day and we part and we're like, Oh, am I going to get it again? Mm -hmm. Do they still want me? I don't know. Did they like me? And it's this, it's this buildup that all that unknown, yeah, I'm taken back to the uncertainty. I'm taken back to the new love phase and all the questions and just the incredible amount of reward Mm -hmm. when you get, yeah, some sort of validation. They like you too, whether that's through the texting back or actually seeing each other and having your hands grazed, it can feel electric. (laughs) Gosh, you're absolutely right. The anticipation, the unknown, just as you said, do they like me back? Oh, they grazed my hand. What does this mean? Right. We're trying to interpret things and we're like hoping for the best. And it's a bit of like a ride, It's a bit, right, sort of ups and then maybe some downs and then some more ups and then we're just hooked on it. Yeah. 
But when it's absolutely in contrast to the long-term loving relationship, that's consistent, predictable, reliable. You walk down the stairs at nine o'clock and you're like, what's on Netflix tonight. Yeah. And it's the same. You don't have to go through that same roller coaster. Yeah. You, you already know they like you. You already know they're at your house. You don't have to wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So desire has a lot to do with that uncertainty. You can, you contrasted that with what is love. Mm-hmm. You talked about the, the consistency, the predictability, the reliability. Mm-hmm. So what do you think happens between that early dating phase to that long-term phase that begins to, I guess, take away those feelings of desire? What, mm-hmm. what makes it feel less uncertain? Mm-hmm. I think it's just that the per- your partner now becomes this more familiar, uh, more predictable, almost like less exciting person in your life, figure in your life. There's no yeah. more, do, like you said that, you know, questioning, do they like me? Are they going to text me back? Um, they're, oh, they've caressed my hand. What does that mean? I mean, we know all the answers. Yeah. We can anticipate and predict very well. Yeah. Right. Like there's a match. There's not uncertainty as much anymore, or if not any yeah. uncertainty, you know, they're going to be there when you get home and oh gosh, during this pandemic, we've been home with them for 24 hours a day over the last almost year and a half. So yeah. like, talk about no unpredictability, talk about, or no, no inconsistency, right? Like yeah. talk about no novelty. They're there. You saw them the same. They look the same way today as they do tomorrow as they did yesterday. Uh, it's, you know, it's the same day in, day out. Yeah. Groundhog's day every day, especially during the pandemic. So, yeah. all right. So finally you get to that long-term love, that honeymoon phase has worn off. Now you're familiar. What, what are couples to do? Yes. I think there's, there's a lot you can do. I think broadly speaking, you know, when you were first starting to date, every time you saw them, it was like with new eyes, you were constantly learning about them you know, having all these new experiences together. So if we keep that in mind, we want to have those kinds of experiences like intentionally with our partners in the long run, in, you know, down the road, in the long term, when we're in the long term, I should say. And so, you know, thinking about what are things that we can do that are new to us? Novel. Where can we go on adventures? And adventure is different for every couple and every person. My adventure is going to be different than your adventure. Um, but even just, of course, there's planning and intention that goes into it. Or maybe it can be spontaneous. You know, if you have a day off, go do something. Go do something kind of wild. Go do something kind of fun that you normally wouldn't do when you were, you know, the beginning of the relationship. You might have picked up and done something like that a lot more than 5, 10, 20 years down the road. Um, so I think having more new experiences together, I think you said so many things there that I just want to highlight because I think they're amazing. But the first one is like coming to the relationship with fresh eyes and you're coming in and you're wondering like, what's going to be new and you're approaching it, just being very curious about them. And somewhere along the way, when it becomes familiar, I see a mistake a lot of people make is they stop approaching their partner with any curiosity, they, they assume they know, yeah. and you know, they might know most of it, but I'm sure there's a piece they don't. And at the very least us as people, we still want to f- have the felt sense. We are known, even if our partner already knows, we want to be able to communicate it and have it responded to in such a way where like, 
we feel felt mm-hmm. that they know us. Yeah. And so that requires us coming with those fresh set of eyes that requires us to come with that curiosity. And the second thing you said that I think is so important is to create those experiences, to create those opportunities to connect. Mm-hmm. And if we think back to early dating, well, most of us wouldn't have those opportunities for novel adventures or to do anything if we didn't intentionally plan it. Mm-hmm. Unless you somehow spontaneously live with the person you're dating, like your roommates or something, or, or you work together, you're not going to be around. Yeah. So yeah, there's some spontaneity involved in early dating. Maybe you call them up, you're like, you're free now. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting together, you are planning dates. Mm-hmm. So it felt spontaneous. It felt easy, but people were taking the time to think about where are we going for dinner? What's a new activity to do? Or like, do you want to come over at 3 a.m.? Anyway, you're calling, you're asking people to do stuff, whatever that is, but you're putting an effort. And I think that same new relationship energy of let's create space to connect mm-hmm. needs to continue on long-term. So just because you live with someone doesn't mean you stop planning, doesn't mean you stop setting aside intentional time to be together. Yes. So yeah, just wanted to highlight, highlight those two things you said that I thought were just right on point. I, I so agree. And, and, you know, well, well said, like we, you're right. We did put an effort and there was intention and there was planning at the beginning. And, you know, why, why would we think of it differently now? Like, Oh, it's planned. It's less exciting. Well, but you planned at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you plan it and you can go on these exciting things, like the excitement comes from doing the thing. Yeah. Like planning it. I mean, some people love planning. They find that exciting, but most of us, if we did cool stuff at the beginning, it was planned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think one good way to even have a bit of desire, potentially without there being planning or, or maybe there's planning involved as well, but like, think about when are times you observe your partner and you might actually have a bit of desire for them. It's probably when they are very confident, they're in their element, Yeah, doing something that they feel really good about. And you can look at them with those fresh, curious eyes of like, wow, look at my, my person doing what they love and how it makes them feel. And, and what, what does it make them feel? And yeah. what are they thinking right now? And, you know, it could be playing a sport. It could be doing a hobby. It could be at a party. And you look at them across the way, having this great conversation, laughing with another person. Oh, what are they talking about over there? Look how great they look and how happy and confident they are. Mm-hmm. So look at them with those kinds of eyes. Not the, you know, the eyes of like, oh, so yeah, we're going to go home and do the same thing we do every night kind of eyes. Mm-hmm. Curious eyes. Yeah, those super curious eyes. And I love how you talk about that when they're in their element, because sometimes we don't get to see our partners in their element all the time. We see certain elements or certain hats they wear, but we don't see the big global picture of them. And I love that idea of like, you know, being very curious when you're out and you're seeing them in a different element. What new things do you notice about them? Yeah, absolutely. That's it. What new things do you notice? Or can yeah. you do this? So what are some ideas that you have about how, how can you make sure in a long-term relationship that you're making time to make time? Gosh, that's a complicated question. Do you know what I'm saying there? Yes. Make, make, make sure you make time for time together. Um, so I think, you know, one way is actually just something that you probably a lot of couples are already doing are these rituals that we engage in. Right. Like when you wake up in the morning and you sit down and have breakfast, breakfast together, it's something that you do. It's predictable, but it is time spent together. 
So that's, you know, maybe one way you could consider um, having more, more connection, more of this, this time to be with one another, um, opportunity to connect. Um, and it's not just, you know, waking up and having breakfast together. There's other connections that are rituals that you guys can have, and it might be weekly or biweekly date night. I think it's so important to schedule date night with your partner. Otherwise, the kids get in the way, work gets in the way, the hobbies, the friends, the family, that all, you know, it's busy. I mean, it, it's stuff, we're people, we have so many hats that we wear, as you said, and, and we are having to making make sure that all those other hats are being worn. And But we also want to make sure that we're wearing our relationship hat. And we got to plan for that, as we're saying, bit of a, a key word here, planning. Um, but to make sure you keep up with your date nights, regular date nights. Uh, I also think it's a nice idea every few months, if you can, or once a year, even plan maybe a weekend away. Just mm-hmm. the two of you. And no talking of the kids, no talking of, you know, the stressors. Just go and, and have a good time and reconnect and learn about each other again. Try to do something that might be unique. If you love to go, you know, cottaging, well, maybe try a ski resort this time. Or, uh, you know, just something that might be a little bit different or out of the norm for you guys. Travel is a great one, right? You're seeing your person in a new element. Um, you get to see them respond to different situations and experiences, and you can learn about them along the way and vice versa, um, connect connect in that way. And so I think just having rituals that are built into your life, whether it be on a daily basis, so like how you have breakfast together, how you say hello at the end of the day, you know, do like a five or 10 minute check-in or what your bedtime ritual is together, as well as things like date night, weekend getaways, week-long trips if you can, or getaways of some sort. Um, So I would say rituals are very planned, Um, they're predictable, but I think that's one really nice way to keep a bit more connection and, and desire going. I think one of the things you said there is like, yes, they can be planned, but you can also plan different things you wouldn't do. So some rituals are going to be familiar. They're going to be every day. They might be the breakfast. They might be the bedtime ritual. They might be the touch points of the day, but there's other rituals of connection that can be intentionally uh, different. So it could be the weekend away in a different spot. It could be a new activity together. And so I think it's kind of about maybe creating space and time to do the different things or the ritual of doing things different to create the opportunity for desire to emerge and arise. And I think the other great thing you said is the time to not talk about the kids or the stressors or the to-do lists around the house. Like those things aren't romantic. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, if you think about early dating, those aren't the things that are going to get you fired up. And I think it's so important to create the conditions to have that that connection smolder and crackle beneath the surface. And if you're talking about the to-do list and what's our budget going to be like next year, that's, that's, unless you really like budgeting and numbers, <laughs> that's not going to get, you know, the blood coursing through your veins. Yeah. It's going to cool you off pretty quick. Exactly. Yeah. Practical conversations. Yes, but not great for desire. <laughs> no, not great for desire. So, okay. So these are some practical things people can do to connect with some planning. What about, you know, the number one thing people say when they're struggling on their intake forms is they're struggling with communication. Mm. Is there any way couples can use communication mm-hmm. um, as a tool to increase desire in their relationship? 
I think, you know, one thing I, at least one in one way, I, and I hear this from couples is you want your partner to hear you, to listen to you, to validate you, to essentially be like an ally with you. Yeah. And I think in terms of communication, that can really build a sense of closeness and intimacy and desire um, in that, you know, you, you've had a stressful day or there's something going on with a family member and your partner is there to listen, not even so much to problem solve, take, take the pressure off problem solving. Most of the time, what we really want is just to feel heard and that what we're feeling is valid mm-hmm. and makes sense to our partner. And not so, solutions. Not, not solutions. Yeah. The, the solution is validation. And so, right. If, if my partner validates how I feel, says it makes sense, understands why I might be feeling that way. It can build a stronger sense of intimacy and a stronger sense of desire, maybe even to be like, I can't wait to come home and tell my partner about this. Mm. I know they're my ally. I know that they're going to be there for me and understand me and not judge me or try to tell me how to do it differently. They're going to be there to support me and understand yeah, absolutely. And I think this is is so incredible to give that emotional support rather than solutions. And actually, I had a request. I'm going to totally put you on the spot right now. So feel free to decline. But I recently had a request on Instagram. Someone said, can you provide an example of how to do this? Uh-huh. They provided a post of emotionally validating statements. They're like, that's great. But what do you what do you do? Do you think we could do a quick role play? Either you could be the validator, I could be the validator. Do you want to be the validator? I'll be the validator. One of us can present a problem and we could quickly sure. quickly do what this sounds like. Sure, yeah, I'll validate. Yeah. Okay, you want to validate? Okay, I'm coming off with a problem. <laughs> All right. I have a problem. I'm making up a fictitious problem. Okay. Um I'm feeling really frustrated because I feel like there's a bit of a double standard sometimes going on for us. I feel like, you know, the expectation is I'm to be home at five o'clock for dinner. And if I'm late at five o'clock, I I, I always have the sense I'm going to be in trouble. But from my view, the standard is different. If you get home at five, five Oh two, five ten, five thirty, I'm just supposed to be like, okay. And, and I'm, I'm really struggling with that. There seems to be a bit of a different expectation here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I can understand why you're feeling frustrated because, you know, the double standard, it feels unfair. So I can understand feeling frustrated about that and that, you know, my expectation for you and versus myself is different. And so I would fresh, probably frustrate me too. I, I get where you're coming from with that. Oh, wow. You're so good. You didn't even, there's no defensiveness. There's no nothing. Okay. So I gave a, I gave an example about the relationship. And as I did, I was like, oh yeah, we're giving solutions support, not for the relationship. We're talking about outside things. So yeah. what she just did actually was incredible. Cause one of the things in many cases, I think if this would be presented, that partner would be defensive. Well, like, no, I'm not that way. Or, yeah, you know, you've been late too, which maybe you get there. But I think if you can do what she just did first, you're like, oh, I feel heard. My position is validated. And actually, we're so much more likely to hear the other person's view as well yeah. when we feel validated first. Can I can I throw another one at you? That's throw another one. I, I think my answer is like the ideal answer, but yeah. probably mostly unlikely will we be able yeah. to do that in the moment with our partner. If at the very least we can respond neutrally. Yeah. 
as opposed to like a counterattack or, or defend, as you said, that's mm. going to go a lot better. So maybe, you know, it'd be harder to say, I understand that you're feeling that way. Yeah. Just to say, okay, you're feeling like it's a double standard. Okay. And just sort of leaving it maybe there. Could you- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think neutrality actually is one of the things that's overlooked by a lot of people, but neutrality actually is incredibly helpful in relationships. Just being like, okay, you feel it's double standard, leave it. Not too emotional, not too not emotional, just in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So I want to try a different one that wasn't about the relationship because that's where we were actually going and I got carried away. So, (laughs) okay. I was frustrated. So I was so frustrated today because what I really want to do is buy this hat and I've been looking at it through the window for, for months because, you know, we've been in lockdown and the store says it opens at 11 Mm -hmm. and I needed to be home by 1130. And so I got to the store at 11 and they were not open and I went to 1105 and they were not open. Oh, so irritated. Oh gosh. Yeah. You've been wanting that hat for so long. I know you have, of course you're feeling irritated about it. You even took the time out of your day to get there right on time. Oh gosh, that's too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. Yeah. I just want to jump in the whole time and agree with you about how bad it was. Okay. So like, obviously Dr. Gomez here, she's a psychologist. She could validate us all day long. So people are listening to you and they're like, I can't do that. Yeah. Can you give them some like break down some tips for how to do that for them? Honestly, like even if you can just validate the smallest part of what your partner's saying, or, or even like reflecting back what they say so that they know that you're, that they got it, that, you know, like my partner understood what I was saying. They recognize at the very least that I'm feeling frustrated about something. Right. Like, okay, yeah, I hear that you're frustrated about the store being closed when you expected it to be open. Okay. Yeah. that yeah. I guess it kind of sucks. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, identifying with the emotion of like frustration of like, yeah, I get frustrated or not. I get frustrated. Cause then I think actually that's not true validation. Um, because now we're sharing more about ourselves. Um, but to say, yeah, I understand. I hear you're frustrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just what you're explaining is that you're like pulling the emotion that they're having and you're basically giving the sense that I get where you're coming from, or I hear that you're having it. I can wrap my head around how you have that emotion and it makes sense. It makes sense. It would be a great thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So these kinds of conversations where people come in and they do talk about the problems of their day and they offer emotional support, not solutions. I hear there's a special name for these kind of conversations. Can you fill us in what the name for these kind of conversations is? Yes. It's uh, the special term is the stress reducing conversation. Um, it is a, I suppose like a formulated technique of being an ally for your partner and validating them and offering advice only after validation has been given and received as, you know, the person says, Oh yes, I, I, you know, I feel like you'd understand me. Um, and then an offer of solution only if the partner is receptive to that. But if they say, Nope, that was good. It just was fine with the validation. Thank you so much. We don't need to give any solutions, but if they say, Hey, you know what, actually, I would like to hear your advice. Then sure. You can go into solution mode. Okay. And what I love that you said is just validation can be the solution. That's it. You don't actually have to solve the problem. There is no problem that needs to be solved here at all. If you're going to give advice, ask if your partner wants the advice. If they say no, great. Okay. You're off the hook. You don't have to give them solutions. Phew. 
right? But if they say yes, then okay, be there and, and, and give them the advice. So I love that you're talking about making it right for your partner as well. If they want advice, great. If they don't, great. And I think, well, I guess in your view, how does that add or subtract from desire? I think, I think it's like, a t- it's attuning to your partner, mm-hmm. right? Like when you validate them, you're communicating that I get you. I have put myself into your inner world and understand where you're coming from. That makes us feel, as we've been saying, heard and seen and understood and close. Yes. With our partner, safe. There's trust now, right? Like my partner gets me. They're here for me. They support me. And I think that does build a sense of closeness that we desire. We desire that closeness. Yeah. And even as you're saying that, I guess what's, what's striking me is one of the best parts of being in a long-term relationship is you do feel safe and supported and got, if you can get that. And if you want to do some of the work, you can also create the uncertainty, the novelty and, and figure out how do you have like a passionate connection based on both. You need to do the work and it might not ever feel quite like the early days, but I think those little things, um, that you're describing that can create that sense of safety. Like maybe you can even have a sexual relationship that's better than it was in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they, it's been said before, like the, everything throughout the day that's positive could be considered like foreplay. So Mm. these little moments where we connect and we feel supported and understood, you adds to maybe the desire or safety in being later sexually intimate with your partner. Maybe you guys missed each other all day, as in like miscommunicated all day and just didn't get it and were not attuned, probably not going to feel that great in the bedroom for some people, some people fine, but for other people, that's going to feel like a disconnection in the bedroom. But if we, absolutely, and I think it can be those little things. And if we talk about different ways, you know, we have in popular culture or because it's been on the bestseller list, Gary Chapman's five love languages, mm-hmm. a lot of people identify with that. They know that. And you might have a partner who like to them what's going to help them with desire is you did the dishes, you cleaned the floor, you put the kids to bed. And when you do those things, it's like a thing off their plate. They didn't have to do it. They feel relieved and believe it or not, that little positive action is going to lead to way more desire than any toy you could buy them than any brand new experience you could create. It's taking the stress off. So I think it's important to think about those little things in the way that your partner expresses they need, not necessarily the way that you need desire, which I think requires coming back to one of those first things you said, like being curious about your partner. What do they need for desire rather than like what we need? Yes. Yeah. I I so agree. The the five love languages is a nice way to think about foreplay, right? If my partner really loves affirmations, then why not text them something that's really sweet during the day? Yeah. Um, like flirt, flirt with your partner. That's something we haven't talked about, but right. We flirt at the beginning. We make little cute comments. We wink or we, you know, make these, um, gestures or, you know, touch in some way. And if, you know, if these are things that are comfortable in your relationship and that you're personally okay with, you know, maybe send a little cute note to each other, or, you know, maybe do a little flirty touch with each other. Yeah. Those are right part of the five love languages and part of ways to feel heard and connected with your partner. Like my partner knows I love affirmations and then they're affirming me throughout the day. Oh, I'm seen and heard and I feel connected. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's just those little things. I love, I love that you can bring that in into how you flirt with them. Like for some people, it might be a little gift. Maybe the gift is like you literally pick them up some sour patch kids at the store. Cause you know, it's their favorite little things you would do in the beginning, or you're walking by a flower shop and you, and you got them a flower. Yeah. If that's the way your partner is connected to just connect. Cause it's putting like money in their love bank and they're having loving feelings towards you. Yes. So we've talked a lot about different ways to begin to create desire, and it's going to be a little different from each relationship. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, yep, I'm willing to do some planning. I'm open to some work. What thoughts do you have about where they could start in in creating this desire in their relationship? Hmm, Interesting. I think you could start even with yourself. What turns me on? Ooh. Ask yourself, what turns me on? I'm turned on when I am wearing this outfit or I'm turned on when, um, you know, I see my partner doing this or right, kind of ask yourself, what are the things that turn me on? And even maybe like, what are the things that turn me off? Because then we can one, also yeah. know, right? <laughs> like I'm turned off when I feel uncomfortable in my body or I'm turned off when I come home and the dishes are a mess and yes. I haven't cleaned up from the day. So I think you can start with yourself. You know, what is it that turns me on? Um, and then why not even have this as a, as a conversation with your partner? Ooh, and that might even be new or even uncomfortable, igniting some of the spark within to have these vulnerable conversations about likes and dislikes and what turns on and off. Caveat, if you're talking about what turns off, be very gentle and kind and cautious because that can um, be like dumping a bucket of cold water on a fire that's starting to to go. So be really careful with what you don't like, but I, I love that talking about it with your partner. That could be a very vulnerable anxiety, uncertainty provoking experience. Yes. Agreed. I, I agree with it being a vulnerable conversation. So maybe we just start with, you know, what gets me excited? What are things I even just feel passionate about in life? Yeah. Don't have to be sexual or even totally focused on the relationship. Um, but opening the door to talking about what is it that makes me turned on or you turned on and it yeah. could be things from the past. Oh, we did this. Why don't we reminisce on this wonderful, exciting experience we had in the past in our relationship? That's a great way to feel excited and desired. Yeah. Reflect on a wonderful moment from your past, yeah. from your history. Absolutely. I recorded a podcast on just that today, using reminiscing as a tool to reconnect when you're feeling not in, in connection with your partner. So, oh my gosh, Dr. Gomez, you have given us a wealth of knowledge here, helping us understand difference kind of between desire, long-term love, what creates desire, some of the conditions, how can we create some planned tools to help us to facilitate both familiar ways to connect, but also increase novelty and unfamiliar things in our ways that we can connect. You've talked about making your partner feel seen, feel known. How do you do that? You were a wonderful sport, letting me put you on the spot to validate me. And you made it so clear that you don't need to validate like that to, to begin to do it right. This is also, it's so much easier to do with someone that isn't your partner. Oh, yes. um, like it is way easier to do with someone that isn't your partner. And also let's remember she's a professional. So she's modeling 10 out of 10 validation skills. You could be like a three or four or five, you know, we don't got to shoot for hundreds, just got to do our best. And I like how you think checking in with you, seeing what turns you on, what turns you off. We've talked about talking about it with your partner. You offered so many amazing nuggets. Oh. Is there anything off the top of your head that 
final words of wisdom you wish to leave our listeners listeners final with? Words of wisdom, truly intention and effort. I know we started an effort, in, intention and effort. We started with talking about how at the beginning, even of a relationship, it was somewhat effortless to have desire, but there was actually a lot of intention in planning. Yeah. And I think to take away from the, take, take away from this is, is the points that we are talking about things that require effort, that require yeah. planning and time and on an ongoing basis. And what yeah. works for me this year might be a little bit different than what works for me or us next year. Yeah. And so it is, you know, checking in, but I, I think, I, yeah, I'd like to end it by saying what we're talking about is not easy. It does take effort and it does mm-hmm. take planning and intention. Intention and effort. Couldn't agree more. Thank you again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.